0: Pentecost was a Jewish festival that happened during the time of Feast of First Fruits, happening 50 days after Passover, which celebrated Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Pentecost was a time to celebrate the initial harvest feast. Israel gathered together to offer to the Lord two loaves of wheat bread made from the first fruits of the grain. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came to the apostles to fulfill Jesus' words, that they would receive power from the Holy Spirit to glorify God's name to all nations. As a result, we, the church and the body of Christ, are called to bear witness to all nations through the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify the name of the Lord. You may stand for the first song.
1: Start the service today with a reading from Acts chapter 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where the disciples were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem. Now, there Now there were also staying, there we go, in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia— Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Crete. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretes and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of gods in our own tongues. I feel like I should say, thus, what, what is it? Bless the, the reading of the Lord or something like that? What's the word of the Lord? The word of the Lord. There it is. There it is. Yeah, I feel like. What am I supposed to say? The Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The the be to God. Well, you can tell I grew up Baptist. <laughs> non denominationally Baptist uh, for, for that. All right, so I apologize in advance if I'm a little rambly today. Uh, this is a sermon that sort of struggled with me, and it's actually a topic that I love. I love talking about the Holy Spirit, but. Uh, I'm probably better, uh, frankly, on the fly than I am trying to uh, put something together that's actually, that's actually organized. So we're going to talk about Pentecost today, uh, as, you can, as you can guess, because it is Pentecost. Whew, ah, eh, I'm eating the mic. Whew, there we go. Um, we'll see if we can flip this here. There we go. All right. Uh, so we do have some goals for today's, uh, for today's topic. One is to dispel the notion that this is actually the first instance of Holy Spirit activity. I know that you guys who've seen me speak before know that it always takes me five minutes to get this thing settled. There we go. Um, for whatever reason, we tend to, uh, because we're, we're kind of a New Testament church, uh, and by us I mean you know the modern American church, the modern American Christian movement, uh, we recognize ourselves obviously as a New Testament church, which is good, uh, and sometimes as a as a consequence of that, we forget that the the whole Old Testament kind of happened, which is not good um, and we assume somehow that the first sort of presence, the first instance or manifestation of the Holy Spirit happens in Acts happens at Pentecost, and that 's not true so we 're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of guidance. I've got a couple of goals uh, in terms of, of laying a foundation here. One is um, to give just a, a basic foundation on what, quote-unquote, should the manifestation of the Holy Spirit look like in my life. I am not going to try to answer that question for you, all right? Uh, but I do want to give some information that might, that might help us uh, go down that road in our own lives. Uh, And because we are talking about Pentecost and therefore have to talk about tongues in some capacity, because if you're talking about Pentecost, you can't not talk about speaking in tongues in some capacity, I do want full disclosure. We're not actually going to go down this road. We're not really going to talk about it today. Um, But in terms of my personal beliefs, for those of you who are familiar with the Assemblies of God, um, that's that's more or less where I fall. Um, So do I believe in what is called personal prayer language? Yes. Do I believe in miracles and miraculous healings? Yes. Do I believe there are some, some limitations and, and we, we have to be careful about our expectations? Yes. <laughs> um, like I said, I'm not really going to go into that, but I want you to know where I'm coming from because you know people get, people get really upset when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a really good way to clear out the, the entire congregation somehow. I don't entirely understand that, but there it is. Uh, Pentecost itself. As you all know, I like definitions. Uh, the Hebrew for Pentecost is Shavu or Shavout. As, uh, as Creed says, that is absolutely the precise way of pronouncing that, simply because I said it was. No, it's not. It's not at all. Uh, it literally means weeks, it is a celebration of the harvest, historically. Jewish celebration of the harvest, and also the giving of the Torah by Moses, which is, of course, not an accident. Uh, God likes to work thematically, right? So we talked not too long ago about uh, the parable of the of the farmer, where the farmer is is spreading he's spreading the wheat, he's spreading the seed, and of course, the wheat is analogous to uh, to the Word of God. So here again, you see God working uh, thematically throughout Scripture. That um, there's kind of this holistic sense of we're celebrating both the, the, the word of God, which is our spiritual food, and Christ talks about that, as well as the physical harvest. Uh, now, this is also in ancient Judea, uh, the time where you sort of switch between the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. Uh, so presumably, I don't, I don't know, I imagine your diet changes just based on what's available at the time, so now you're starting to eat wheat. Uh, so there you go. For those of you who like wheat, great. For those of you who are gluten intolerant, it's a really bad... It's a bad time. Uh, but it's also one of, the, uh, one of the feasts where everyone is gathering in Jerusalem. Uh, let's see here. We'll flip over. Uh, this is actually pulled from the Reformed Judaism, Judaism, uh, well, really the website of the Reformed Judaism uh, movement in the United States. Shabbat is the Hebrew word for weeks, and the holiday occurs seven weeks after Passover. Like many other Jewish holidays, it began as an ancient agricultural festival that marked the end of the spring barley harvest and the beginning of the summer wheat harvest. In ancient times, Shabbat was a pilgrimage festival during which the Israelites brought crop offerings to the temple in Jerusalem. So that's what's happening. Today, it is also a celebration of Torah, education, and the choice to participate actively in Jewish life. All right. this right. Um, we've, we've got some art as we go throughout, so this this one uh, is actually I'm trying to remember. I have all the sources. I can publish them out for you. Um, I think this, of all places, I think this came from Pinterest. Uh, of, all, of all places, it's amazing what a Google image search will get you. Uh, but this is this is obviously a, a Ju- Judaic um, interpretation of the giving of um, giving of the word, giving of the law. Maybe. Chris, can you advance the slide because I am yeah. not. Uh, it's totally my fault. That All right. It's okay. We. Well, I think we'll we'll skip the. Skip the court martial this time. Uh, this piece of art is Six Days of Creation" by Jackie Olenek. Um, she's a current. The reason I wanted to make sure I credit her is because she's she's actually selling this, if you you want to print. This is is actually the six days of creation. Uh, It's about $450 if you want a copy of this. I'm just letting you know. You can can have it. Uh, Being a a Jewish uh, rendition, it actually reads left to right. So the first day, or right to to left, rather. The first day is on the right, and then we move into Adam and Eve on on the, the far left. So, instances of the Holy Spirit pre Pentecost. Remember, the first thing we want to look at is sort of the history of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. Uh, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Over the surface of the water. So two different translations there: New American Standard and the NLT. So you see the uh, the Holy Spirit being present at creation. Naturally, doesn't surprise us, right? Uh, and it's an interesting. Uh, this is sort of a rabbit trail that you know, if you want to go down sometime, you certainly can. But just um, sort of an intellectual curiosity more than anything. Um, somebody pointed out to me at some point, and I don't remember who, that God, that God told the Spirit of God to you know to hover on the waters, but he never actually pulled the Spirit of God back. Um, And I thought that was interesting, uh, because despite the fact that we live in a, a, you know, obviously it's a very broken world, um, the Spirit of God does still operate, right? Even, and I would argue, even uh, amongst and for the benefit of those who don't know Christ or don't know Christ yet, right? Um, God is still active in creation, even though there are obviously other forces at work as well. Um, and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Obviously, we see, uh, we see the Holy Spirit with Moses, um, and, and some could certainly, you, you could certainly make the argument um, that the burning bush is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I would necessarily personally make that argument, but it could be made, right? Uh, certainly, it's the presence of God, right? Uh, you see the Holy Spirit, obviously, in the prophets, uh, and we have, oh, this is, this is, this is David. So we can talk about David for a second. So this is uh who credited this? this is also a contemporary artist by Richard, a guy named Richard McGee. This is David dancing. Remember the Holy Spirit falls on David and he dances. All right, so this is this is David dancing. I actually really like this one simply because David is not, in this case, uh Caucasian. Which is which is nice. You get a lot of Caucasian Christ figures out of the Renaissance. Um, but there he is. Uh, and then throughout the throughout the rest of the Old Testament, you see the prophets here. Let's see if we can get, this is, uh, who is this? This is Zechariah. Um, he's a very Greek-looking, right? He's a very Greek-looking Zechariah. He's got a scroll with him, right? He's got the Word of God with him. Uh, this is compliments of the Greek Orthodox Church, which makes sense, because he's very Greek-looking, um, just a couple of example examples of the Holy Spirit being, uh, being talked about through the prophets. Uh, this is out of Nehemiah. <laughs> However, you bore with them for many years and admonished your people by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give heed. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of, of the land. Uh, is equal talks about and the spirit lifted me up and brought me in a vision by the spirit of god to the exiles in in chaldea so the vision that i had seen left me then i told the exiles all the things that the lord had showed me and of course king david uh talks about the holy spirit quite a bit in psalms don't take your you know don't don't take your holy spirit away from me Um, there we go all right and this is pentecost itself a couple of renditions here um This is El Greco, a guy named El Greco. He's Renaissance. And a contemporary artist named Sheila DeMayer on the left. Uh, And this is actually, these are both renditions of of Pentecost. Uh, I like, Chris is laughing at me, I like it. It uh, El Greco, Greco, yeah, right? The The Greco, right? Um, I actually really like, I really like the image on the left. One of the reasons I included it is she's a Catholic artist. Um, and the, the prominence of Mary in this, uh, in this particular manifestation is really, is really fascinating to me. Um, uh, but anyway, to give us a little bit more context, uh, I have—so we're going to back Acts up just a little bit here. Uh, Jesus is taken into heaven— uh, and he starts talking about the Holy Spirit Which explains why we're all sitting around in a room Waiting for the Holy Spirit to come down in the first place uh, In my former book I wrote o- about All that Jesus began to do and teach Until the day he was taken to heaven After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit To the apostles he had chosen After his suffering he presented himself to them And gave many convincing proofs that he was alive right? So Christ dies And he talked about This is what's going to happen when I die right? He said I'm going to die I'm going to be dead for three days. He didn't quite say it this way, right? Uh, I'm going to be dead for three days. I'm going to rise up from the dead. I'm going to rise up from the dead. And, and my spirit is going to come down from the Father. Of course, the disciples didn't get it, right? And so now that he's, he's risen again, he's showing to the disciples, and you guys, I mean, everybody here probably knows the story, right? And he has to convince the disciples that, hey, no, it's really me. All the things that I said before were actually true, and they're coming to pass, right? Uh, so he presents himself. I love that. I love that wording. Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was, in fact, alive, like he said he was. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus has actually some um, some experience with this. Oh, oh, did this not make the cut? Oh, man, it didn't make the cut. That's too bad. Uh, so I had a slide before my computer crashed uh, that showed the baptism of Jesus. And so... When Christ is baptized, right, he goes to John and, well, actually, hey, I've even got it in front of me. Uh, Matthew 3, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tries to deter him. John says, I need to be baptized by you because, remember, John the Baptist recognizes who Christ is. Jesus replies, let it be so now for it is proper for us to do this. Then John consented. As Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God dispense descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven says, This is my son in whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Now I don't understand the entire uh mechanics spiritually of how this works, but there's something, I am convinced, to the fact that Jesus is baptized, uh there is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, right, that that's that's talked about in very similar terms, that the Spirit falls down on him. In his case it's a dove. And he very purposely, and like I said, I don't entirely understand the mechanics of this. He very purposely tells the disciples to wait to receive a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that is only coming when he goes back to heaven. You probably, Chris probably has some thoughts about that. We should talk about that sometime. Let's do a podcast on the mechanics of that. Yes. Uh, write that down. Let's do a podcast on this. Uh, but anyway... Um, so after he leaves, right, then we see a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming down. And it's not just one person, you know. Throughout, throughout history, uh, theologically, largely the Holy Spirit seems to be operating. I mean, this isn't really technically true, but largely we see the Holy Spirit operating kind of on one person at a time, right? And we even see it with Jesus. And then Jesus dies, he's resurrected, he goes to heaven, and then he sends the Holy Spirit down on everyone else. There's something to that. Don't entirely understand it, but there you go. Um, for John baptized with water, this is Christ talking again, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples are up in the upper room and they're praying. They gather around him and ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So this tells you where the disciples' heads are at. This all becomes very important in a minute. The disciples are still thinking that Jesus is going to restore the physical kingdom of Israel. And Christ says... (laughs) Once again, he sort of says, look, look, guys, you got it all wrong. Again, he says to them, look, it's not for you to know the times or days the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and all of Judea. All right? Whew. With me so far? I know that's, that's a lot of information that is all basically just background right so this brings us back to acts then peter stands up with the eleven raises his voice and addresses the crowd fellow jews and also all who live in jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what i say these people are not drunk as you have supposed it's only nine in the morning my favorite verse of all time right there these people are not drunk it's only nine in the morning I don't know, I've known people who can get drunk at nine in the morning. Uh, but that's not what's happening. No, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my servant I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy, etc." All right. So Peter has had a, a radical couple of weeks, right? Peter has, uh, in, the last, in the last two months, what has Peter done at this point? Let's see, he's denied Christ, right? Well, he cut off somebody's ear. Uh, he denies Christ a few days later. Uh, he probably is contemplating suicide at some point. I mean, he's, he's really depressed, right, after he denies Christ. He gets restored by Christ, uh, which, you know, obviously kind of a big deal to him, right? Um, he's restored into relationship with Christ and then the other disciples, uh, and then, uh, here at Pentecost, he becomes sort of the de facto leader of, uh, of the Christ movement, so to speak. There is no sort of quote-unquote Christian movement at this point, but uh, he be, he's, he's the voice, right? He's the main voice, so he's had an interesting couple of weeks, uh, and speaks, I mean, one of the reasons I mentioned that is it speaks to the power that Christ is talking about when Christ says what? There's something very transformational that's going to happen to you when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I would argue that this is, you know, look, this is the same power that's present at creation, right? Um, And we know from Paul this is the same power that's present in us when we receive Christ. Uh, So it would would be to our credit to not um, undervalue the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, regardless of what we think that should look like. Okay, uh, I would encourage us all: don't undervalue, right? The presence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter replies: uh, do, 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 do. Oh yeah. All right. So Peter makes this big speech that we're not we're not going to go into. Um, and when the people hear this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the other apostles: Well, what should we do? What should we do with all this information? So you've you've convicted us that we killed Christ. Okay, we killed the Messiah. That's basically what Peter says. You all, you all, all of you, you killed, you killed the Messiah. And they say, oh my goodness, he's right. Uh, what, What, what do we do? And Peter replies, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So be baptized in the name of Christ for your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are fall off, or all whom the Lord our God will call. And this forms some of the basis of modern Christian theology, right? That we believe that uh, we are saved by faith. Uh, we believe that when we are saved, uh, we receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, some denominations believe that there is a further manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Um, we could talk about that sometime. There are some denominations who believe that you are not saved unless you manifest the Holy Spirit in certain ways, particularly speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. Uh, I think that's not very biblical. Um, but the point is that we do believe it as, as a whole um, that we are... Uh, that, uh, that we repent in the name of Christ, we receive forgiveness of our sins, and we also are allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, sort of all at the same time, right? All of this is sort of of a piece. Um, so a couple of take-home points of what's, of what's happening here. Uh, Pentecost demonstrates God's love to all nations, right? We've got everybody there. Bible goes out of the way to say, look, everybody is here. The term used in most translations is every nation under heaven. Obviously, that's probably not literal. Representatives of the Navajo tribe are probably not present, Right? Um, the point is, um, all nations, and and this from from a writer's, from the author's perspective. By the way, this is probably all nations, you sort of to the to the known world from his perspective at the time, right? So everybody's here, and this is a great time for that because this is a, for Pentecost, for the feast of Pentecost. This is where everybody uh, is going to come to the temple. So anybody who's Jewish or has an affiliation uh, with Judaism, whether they were born Jewish, uh, sort of ancestrally or not um, and it's interesting that throughout biblical history uh, and this is, this is worth observing actually that throughout biblical history the kingdom has never been closed to anyone right we look at we look at the Jews and, okay these are the, the chosen ones of, of God but Judaism was never closed. If you were not born Jewish, but you wanted to serve Jehovah, you could. Now, there were some restrictions, there were some things you had to go through, right? But you could serve the one true God throughout throughout history. Um, and then Christ, of course, uh, some of his most poignant ministry moments are to members of the non-Jewish community, right? The Gentile community. The woman at the well, um, Christ. Probably his is I mean at least in my mind his biggest expression of somebody's faith in him is actually to the centurion Where the centurion says look, no, no, look I'm not worthy to have you come in my house But I understand the authority that you have and so you out of your authority Just say the word and my servant will be healed and jesus says wow I haven't found this kind of faith even in the people who are called by my name right the kingdom's always been open um but in pentecost we see a very specific, um, I think, a very specific manifestation of that reality, right? Um, Okay, I'm going to skip those notes. Sorry. Uh, This also reverses the curse of Babel. This is God gathering all nations instead of scattering him, for those of you who Remember the story of the Tower of Babel? The people are, you know, they're building a tower and they're, it's, it's an expression of we are gods or we are going to create our own gods, right? And God says, enough of this, this is, we're not, we're not going to let this happen, and he scatters the people uh, so they can't communicate with them. And then they're coming, you know, this is God coming, coming back in, right? Pentecost also demonstrates a new era that the barrier between God and his people has been removed. God is speaking directly through his chosen people that all are chosen people. Now, this is a radical theological concept, and it's one that even the apostles miss for a little while. Um, there's some talk later in Acts that the apostles go, well, we're not really sure that this gift is for, is this really for the Gentiles? And then, well, wait, those those Gentiles over there, they're clearly manifesting the Holy Spirit. So, I'll, okay, apparently God was serious about also being the god of the Gentiles. And they, and they open up uh, Christendom to the Gentiles as well. Now, on to the more theological points. Um, there is some conversation. Like I said, I'm sorry, this is a little rambly, but hopefully it's got some good information in it. Uh, Lauren's giving me the, ah, whatever. Whatever, whatever. It's like talking to a wall. Uh, there is some among scholars. Disagreement, it seems, uh, as to whether the miracle of tongues here that is happening at at Pentecost uh, is a miracle on the hearers, the ears, or a miracle on the tongues themselves, right? Um, So the difference being that, so the question is, am I, you know, if I'm Peter and I'm talking to you, am I talking in English and you are all hearing like you, maybe you're cognizantly aware that I'm talking in English, but you're all hearing what I'm saying, you know, in your own in your own tongue. Um, which perhaps is a miracle in the ear, or is it that the apostles are speaking in different languages and then just kind of like, like how how does that work?ing Right? Like, is each apostle speaking in a different language? It seems like there's more languages than there are apostles and there are disciples, right? So I don't know how, how that works. Um, we don't we don't necessarily really know. Um, I would argue that it's probably it's probably a little bit of both. I've seen both kind of kind of in practice. Um, I was when I was in college, we were I was kind of with a small group praying, um, and this was a group that that pretty routinely um, prayed in tongues and, and was was pretty pretty open to that. And so one of one of our members, he's just praying, and he's Eric was what Eric was Scottish, um, and all of a start, sudden like he starts praying in what sounds like Chinese, right? And we're like, where is this coming from, right? And as this is happening, there's two, there's two foreign exchange students walking across the hallway. We're at Ohio State. We're at the Student Union of Ohio State. There's two foreign exchange students. I kind of look sideways and I see these two. They're like, they look at each other and they look at Eric and they're like, oh my goodness, and they, and they run over to him and they, and they start talking in Chinese to him. And he's like, What? What's going on? And we had to tell Air like, no, dude. Pretty sure you were just praying in Chinese. (laughs) It's like, was I really? What? It's like, yeah. No, he doesn't know a lick of Chinese, right? And he had to explain. They had to. The the foreign exchange students had to had to change back into back into English so that everyone could communicate. And he had to explain that no, I don't know. I don't know a lick of Chinese. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I have no idea what I just said. Would you tell me what I just said? Because I don't know. (laughs) Uh, so, I mean, you know, this kind of stuff does happen. Now, again, I'm not saying that, you know, you should experience this kind of stuff. Okay, I'm just saying it happens, right? Uh, I was also praying with a guy. So, so the inverse has also been true in, in my life, where I have felt that, like, okay, cognitively, like, my mind clearly doesn't know what's happening, but my spirit is interpreting to some degree for me. I've had that happen, too. I was praying with a guy who just, he just starts laughing. I mean, he just starts, like, we're in the middle of praying, he just starts laughing, just uncontrollably laughing, I'm like, really? Uh, and after a little while, I get, I, I can't tell you, other than just, I just knew the Holy Spirit was just sort of downloading it to me, that, uh, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you just know something, and you're like, oh, that's, this is totally like, this is just God giving me something. I knew, somehow, that he was laughing, that this was God laughing at me, Not in a bad way, but just having some fun with me. This is God just having some fun with me, Uh, and it was really kind of uncomfortable because it went on for
2: like five minutes.
1: I'm like, I'm like, will you tell me? Will somebody tell me what's going on? Uh, And finally, he like Brad. Brad finally like he, you know, he calms down enough, and he's he's trying to fight it. He's like, No, no, no! I gotta tell Ken what's going on. Uh, And he'd had this this image of like a little, like a salmon, you know how a salmon like jumps upstream, right? And he'd had this image of a salmon with, with a Ken head on it. So he's just seeing this this fish with my head jumping upstream. <laughs> um, and this was, I'm like, okay, I can understand why you're laughing. I can understand why this is. Um, but it was, I mean... I've had other things. I mean, you've you've probably experienced something of of that nature, right? Where you just know something. The Spirit downloading something. So that that can be happening here, too. Again, I would argue it's probably both, and I would argue that it probably doesn't much matter, right? Um, The continuing presence of the Holy Spirit, obviously. So we see the Holy Spirit come. We see the Holy Spirit come in power at Pentecost. We know what the disciples do after this, right? I mean, they, you know, they have this moment where lots of, lots of people come to know Christ. And then they kind of scatter, right? And they're teaching. We see some changes in personality, right? I mean, Peter is probably as insecure as he's ever been, but he's not acting that way. Um, Paul, a little bit later, does the complete 180, right? He meets the Holy Spirit on the, on the road he meets Jesus on the road. Uh and he turns around and is preaching and teaching in the name of Christ. Uh we see uh what is it? Stephen is stoned, right? Not something that somebody just walks into, but he basically says hey, that's okay, you can stone me, whatever. It's fine. And he looks to heaven and I see God. <laughs> you know. Um like, "Whoa, okay," right? Uh and they go forth. This is the power, right? The continued presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I am not saying what the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit should look in your life. Um, I think to some degree we have to work that out on our own, and I will tell you that God, in my experience, will only take us where we're willing to go. But having said that, I would encourage all of us that it is incredibly biblical to say that we have this incredible gift that God has given us the manifest presence uh, of his power, the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit who does a lot of things for us, right? Um, and that that should encourage us and that should hopefully, I know a lot of us are going through some hard times. I'm looking at Ollie here. She's going through some hard stuff. My wife's going through some stuff. I've been going through some stuff. Um, I would encourage us to take comfort in the fact that we have a God uh, who is greater than anything that could possibly happen on this planet because he created it. And that he's living in us. um, And that that power is accessible to us, even though sometimes it is just the power to keep swimming. I mean, sometimes sometimes that's a miracle, right? You know? Sometimes treading water is, is pretty miraculous stuff. So, um, any questions? Like seriously, do we have any questions? Again, I apologize that this was a little rambly, um, but I hope it's been good information. I hope you got something out of it, um, and that that is the end. As you know, I never actually write a conclusion, so I was hoping somebody would have. I was hoping somebody would have a question so that we could we could have a conclusion, um, since I never do. So, <laughs> Chris Alprey, and then. We can go from there. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much uh, for the power of your presence and the power of your love. And Father, I ask that you would open us uh, up to experience you in the, in, the, in the deep, deep ways that you have intended. I ask that you would bring us healing, Father, spiritual healing, physical healing. Uh, I ask that you would allow us to be your light and your presence in our circumstances, even when our circumstances are dark, even when our circumstances are hard. And I thank you for your provision, and I thank you for your ultimate presence, and that we will spend eternity in your presence and in your love. in Christ's name. Amen.: Please
2: stand with us)
0: okay. yeah. A Maybe seated.
2: There you go. Good morning everyone. <clears throat> um, to uh to continue on with the um the topic of Pentecost and the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the amazing gift we have, um, as Ken mentioned. I wanted to share um a perspective that, that I learned. Some time ago, that um, is really kind of mind blowing. Um, still to this day, in John chapter sixteen, Jesus is speaking, and uh, it starts. This is during the Last Supper, and uh, it starts all the way back in John chapter thirteen. This um, the 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 event of the Last Supper, and the things that Jesus begins to share start all the way back in chapter thirteen. So, if you want to. Um, look at the background of of what Jesus is talking about, you can um, start back there and read some of that. But in uh, starting in verse, um, the second half of verse 4, Jesus says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Referring to the things that he's been talking to up to this point. Uh, But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so reading this, um, you, you, can, you can understand why the disciples are filled with sorrow. Uh, even, even in their culture, um, the fact that these, uh, these guys were chosen, specifically chosen and called by Jesus to follow him, um, and they've been following him for three years, so they've been with him. They've been developing a relationship with him. They've seen what he's doing, um, and they're committed to this. They're committed to this guy. Um, and now he's saying, like, you know, all right, I'm I'm peacing out. And so they're like, what are we supposed to do with our lives now? And so you can imagine what they're feeling, the sorrow they're feeling, um, and why Jesus says, like, you know, I can, you know, I can see that you're all a little, you know, disheartened by this. Um, and, honestly, when, when, when I thought about it for myself, you know, I thought, uh, you know, just take, for instance, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, some of you may be most excited about when, you know, when you get to uh, see Jesus, you know, after this life is, is being able to connect with him in a way that we never have before. Imagine if Jesus was actually here with us in the flesh. Uh, imagine if he was, like, your constant companion, Like, if you needed a hug, like, I'm, one of my uh, primary love languages is touch, so if I could, like, you know, you know, give Jesus a fist bump or give him a hug, like, every once in a while, like, can you imagine how awesome that would be, like, how much that would enhance my relationship with Jesus? Or if you needed somebody that was, like, very understanding to talk to, and Jesus was there to listen to you, and to, to give you all the, like, attention and wisdom that God has uh, in that conversation with you, and to know that you have a companion that loves you and is going out of his way to show his love to you. Like, I mean, just imagine having Jesus as your friend, as a human being, as your friend. And that's what the disciples got to experience for three years. And yet Jesus says, it is better for you that I go away because if I don't, then the Holy Spirit can't come and be your companion. So taking Jesus, if we, if we take Jesus' words um, at face value and say, okay, let's say this is true, then that means that having the Holy Spirit is actually better than all those things that I just described. Having Jesus, where if I'm like having a bad day and I'm like, bro, I need a hug, or if I need to talk to somebody, if I need to be heard, if I need somebody to listen and to empathize with me, that Jesus not being with us, but instead sending us the Spirit, is actually better than that. And so we have a companion with us all the time that gives us that sense, that, that love and that companionship that listens to us, that he is always there, always ready to connect with us. And he is in each and every one of us. He, is, he has unlimited supply. We have an unlimited supply of Jesus. And all we have to do is to, <laughs> is to uh, get into economics a little bit. Uh, all, all we, uh, my nerdy side coming up. Um, all we have to do is, is tap into that and say, Jesus, I just need your presence right now. I just need your companionship right now. Jesus, I need you to listen to me right now. And we have that through the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but um, backing up a few chapters, Jesus also says during this conversation, he says uh, the things that I do when after I leave, you're going to do greater things than these. And it, that's just mind-blowing. <laughs> like Jesus like heal, healed tons of sick people. And he he did the miracle of the, the, the loaves and the fish. And he's saying, like, you're going to do greater things than these. Like, are you crazy? Like, we could never do this kind of stuff. You're, you're like... Uh, you've got this incredible, like, I mean, it's literally the power of God performing these miracles, and you're saying that we're going to do greater things than these. And yet, that was his purpose for the church, was that through us, through his companionship with us, and his presence with us, living in us, that we as the church, as individuals, and as members of the whole, the greater body of Christ, that we are actually being Jesus to the people around us, to one another, to those who are outside of the church that don't know Christ, that us doing that is Jesus saying, This is the purpose that I have intended for you, and this is greater than what I am doing, not the, not greater than what he did in, in reconciling us to God, but in, in the things that in the ministry that he is performing, that he said, your ministry that continues out of what I have done is going to be greater than the things that I just did myself alone on this earth. <clears throat> so I just wanted to share that. Um, I hope that provides some, uh, provokes some thoughts for you, uh, and, and maybe also provokes you to, to tap into that amazing gift that we have, the Holy Spirit, um, and that in your prayer and your time with Jesus, uh, that you would um, to take that into account, that we have a companion that is with us and that wants to empower us to do awesome things, um, wants to do awesome things in our lives and wants to do awesome things through us in the lives of other people. Um, so here at City Church, we practice open communion, um, and what that means is that um, regardless of, uh, you know, your doctrine or uh, your upbringing, whether you're Catholic, Orthodox, um, Protestant, uh, that you're uh, welcome to... Um, participate in remembering Christ's death with us. Um, we just ask that um, you are a follower of Christ. And uh, <clears throat> um, so I'll pray real quick, and when you're ready, feel free to come up and celebrate uh, what Christ has done, his death, and his resurrection, and of course also the gift of the Holy Spirit this morning with us. Heavenly Father, um, just first of all, thank you for coming to this earth and for doing what you did for walking among us um, and putting up with us for three years in the flesh. Um, God, I know I I would easily be as frustrating as, uh, as as I see the Pharisees to be in some of their reasoning and their logic in the scripture, that I am uh, at times equally ignorant and um, just uh, unwise to who you are and to your truth. Uh, But Lord, I thank you that, um, Jesus, that you came and you died for us to reconcile us, that your spirit might live in us um, and overcome our own insufficiencies uh, to glorify you through our lives. Um, Jesus, thank you for uh, sending the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being our constant companion, for being with us always, walking with us through everything. Uh, As Ken said, uh, thank you for helping us Sometimes when all we need to do is tread water, and that's that's all we can, and can manage. Um, but that you're with us there, and you're giving us strength in that. Um, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be, um, uh, the presence of your spirit would be evident to us uh, as we go forward into our lives this week and our relationships and our communion with you. Um, Lord, I, I just ask that your uh, spirit would, Um, guide us and speak to us and give us your wisdom and and work through us to do things, those things, those greater things, um, whether those are great or small in the eyes of humans, um, that that those great things you have intended for us uh, would come to pass, um, that you would humble us to allow your spirit to do those things. Pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Please stand for one more song.
2: Benediction beforehand or afterwards? Before. before. Benediction. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand <laughs> in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great power, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.